Hey everybody, um, just to pick up where the video left off. Why is this so hard? Where's the easy button? Questions we have asked along the way or thoughts we've had, I have no hope. Where is the hope? I'm scared. I feel all alone. I am so lonely. I'm so lonely, it hurts. I go to dark places. And then the prayer, God help me get on track. God help me get my act together. God help me. Derailed, the train comes off the tracks. We didn't see that coming. That's not the way it was supposed to be. And all of us at some level can say that everybody's favorite year, 2020, the COVID year, we all got derailed. Monday morning, this past Monday morning, uh, I start working on this message, but first I've got to check my emails. The very first email I get derails me. The subject line was regarding visiting your church, and the email was sent to Pastor Ike and me. Good morning. It started out good enough. Um, good morning. I visited yesterday, and not one person bothered to introduce themselves to, or say hello. As I left, the minister did not even bother to ask my name and there was no connection card to sign. It was very disappointing and I will not be back. I did enjoy the music. Kudos to the music team. Thank you. It wouldn't have been so bad, but it was signed, thank you, your loving wife, Cindy. No, it wasn't. It wasn't really that. <laughs> um, but um, my very pastoral, very grown-up, mature side wanted to write back to her and say something snippy, but I didn't. Isn't that how we are sometimes? Someone criticizes us and instantly we, go, we get either defensive, well, son of a biscuit, here's what we did and why we did it. It makes perfectly good sense to us. Or we rationalize it. If, on, if you only knew the half of it, you would understand why we're doing it that way. Or we go on the offensive and act very grown up and mature and point out their flaws. They probably don't floss, regularly at least. We are in week three of this five-week sermon series called Derailed that seems so very appropriate for these days. This series is following along with the daily themes of Vacation Bible School, VBS, that starts up a week from tomorrow. Today's theme is about boldness, specifically how Jesus' power helps us be bold. And if you've ever been part of uh, a VBS around here, come this day, this will be Wednesday of VBS week, we will hammer that theme home with the kids. Jesus' power helps us be bold. Jesus' power helps us be bold. Jesus' power helps us be bold. Whose power? Jesus' power. What does it do? It helps us be bold. Jesus' power helps us be bold. VBS audience participation, Jesus' power does what? Helps us be bold. For, day, for today, let me define boldness, holy boldness. It's stepping into a given situation with courage, knowing it's the right thing to do, but also knowing there's a cost. Holy boldness, holy boldness, stepping into a given situation with courage, knowing it's the right thing to do, but also knowing there's a cost. And the stories I want to share with you this morning are from Acts chapters 3 and chapters 4, and I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'll be jumping around a bit, and this morning, I would love for you to, to really, as we read the story, for you to really listen. Listen to the story, because I really believe in all my heart God's going to speak to us through these words. And I'm going to read from the message, Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible. And just a little backstory, a, a little backstory. This is, chapter, this, is, um, this is chapter three of Acts, and I just want to highlight the first two chapters. Chapter one, Jesus says, the resurrected Jesus says this, right before he goes to heaven. Um, he says, you guys stay here, Holy Spirit's coming, and is going to knock your socks off. That's chapter one. Chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes, Pentecost, and they get their socks knocked off. And the church is off and running. 
Again, just the highlights, chapters one and two. And at the end of chapter two, right before our chapter, it says this. um, They devoted themselves, the early church, it says. They devoted themselves. This new church, they devoted themselves. And I love that word devoted. And you guys are showing me what that looks like as we come back to church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Just like we do every Sunday morning here. Our story this morning starts like this. Again, this is Acts chapter three, starting with the first verse. One day at three o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John, I just wanna stop there just for a sec. Peter and John, two fishing buddies from way back, two of the earliest followers of Jesus, two of Jesus' closest friends, in part of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Peter and John were on their way that day to the temple for a prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. The the crippled man derailed from birth, and these are my words. Some would say he never had a chance, broken from the start. Back to the text. Every day he was set, the crippled man was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. And Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, look, look here. And the man, the, the crippled man looked up, expecting to get something from them. Let me pause there just for a second. In my mind's eye, I see this broken man, this crippled man sitting on the ground where his friends dropped him off for the day. And I'm thinking, no one would ever call this man beautiful, only broken, a throwaway, panhandling beside this gate, this gate ironically called beautiful. And he's been doing this as long as anyone can remember. The text says he's been crippled since birth, and later on we learn he's now 40-something years old. Back then, not much in the way of social services to help these guys. This is how he survived, begging at the gate every day. And he knew it. This was the only way he, he could survive. And he knew he needed help. He needed someone or a couple of someones to carry him to the gate every day, and then back home again, and then back to the gate, and then back home day after day after day. And Peter and John come to the gate this day where this man sits. The crippled man sees them out of the corner of his eye, but doesn't look up. He doesn't want to make eye contact. Begging is tough work. Asking for help is humbling. And rejection of one's ask for help is humiliating. He's heard it all. Sorry, not today, old man. Not today, maybe next time. Sorry, friends, I got no cash. And those are the polite folks. They at least seem kind, others not so much. This man knows about getting derailed. Day after day, the same grind. Why is this so hard? I have no hope, no life. I'm scared. I'm all alone. God, help me. Please help me. Please, please. I don't know how much more I can take of this. And Peter and John step up to the plate. And I'm not sure how they knew, but they knew a holy nudging to do something bold. I've had a few of those, maybe you've had some of those too. Holy boldness moments, holy boldness. Again, it's stepping into a given situation with courage, knowing it's the right thing to do, but also knowing there will be a cost. And Peter stops at the gate and tells this man to look at them, look here. And the crippled man looks up, expecting to receive a coin or two. And picking up from the text again, verse six, Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give to you. And then he says this, 
this prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And Peter grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. This man, he goes from crippled since birth to Mr. Bojangles, from never walking in his entire life to not only walking, but jumping and dancing. And just to remind us, this healing is not from Peter. He's only a conduit. God uses Peter, just like God uses us sometimes. And Peter steps up boldly to be used by God to heal this man. It's not by Peter's power, not by his good looks, not by his fishing prowess, not by his will or his strength or his superpowers, but by God's power, the power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he tells the man, walk. Peter receives the Spirit of God, this Holy Spirit that dwells within each of us and directs this power, God's power, to this man, this crippled man, and in the name of Jesus, heals him. The crippled man, who is hoping at best for a few coins from Peter and John, gets so much more, more than he could have ever imagined. And St. Paul writes this, Now to him, now to God, to Jesus, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. How do you and I, how do we receive that power? How do we tap into the power of God that is supposedly at work within us? It's a great question. And I'm not sure there's an easy answer to that. I have witnessed God's power, and maybe you have too. I'm thinking mostly my experience, we have to get out of the way and ask God to to use us. The theme again for this day of Vacation Bible School is Jesus' power helps us be bold. Our definition of holy boldness today, this morning, it's stepping into a given situation with courage, knowing it's the right thing to do, but also knowing there is a cost. Peter steps up boldly to heal this man. And he does it in the name of Jesus, not his power, not his words, but Jesus himself working in and through Peter. Just so you guys get part of that VBS vibe, VBS audience participation, participation. Jesus' power helps us be bold. Whose power? Jesus' power. What does it do? Helps us be bold. I love Peter. I love him because he's so human and real and he gives me hope that maybe a knucklehead like me has a chance. Peter, in all his humanness and all his brokenness, Peter, who told Jesus right before he was arrested that he would follow him anywhere, even to death, Then 10 minutes later, it seems, Peter goes out and denies even knowing Christ three times before that rooster crows. When Christ needed him most, Peter went the other way. Peter has learned something since then. This is not about him or his strength. This is about Jesus. And when given the opportunity this time by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within him, he boldly tells folks, this is not about me. This is not about my power. This is about Jesus and the power in his name. And Peter boldly heals this man. Holy boldness. Holy boldness moments. Holy boldness stepping into a given situation with courage, knowing it's the right thing to do, but also knowing there's a cost. And back to our story. 
And I'm paraphrasing here. Peter, John, and their new best friend, the dancing crippled man, come into the temple and everybody sees what's happened. At first, they don't believe it. They question themselves, could that be? No way. But it is. The crippled man has always been begging at the gate. He's not only walking, but he's dancing and jumping. Because of this, a crowd gathers. The text says, when Peter saw he had a large group of congregation, he addressed the people. Peter did church. He reminds them all, this is not me, it's Jesus. And he tells them, I don't have magic powers, I don't have anything really, but I do believe and I hold on to this Jesus with everything I've got. And then he shares the story. He reminds them what went down, and this is still in the news, this is fresh news, the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's all still front page news back then. This is all fresh in these people's minds. Holy week, Passover week, just a couple, three months ago, big stuff, and Peter reminds them what went down that week. And Peter boldly shares the gospel with them. You killed the author of life, the creator of the world. Through him all things were made. You killed Jesus, God's son. But God, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We saw it. Guys, fellow Jews, we've been waiting for the Messiah. This Jesus, he is the Messiah. And now by faith in the name of Jesus, this lame man was healed. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has healed this man. You guys, you guys can see it. One of my favorite texts, Philippians 4, 13, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, Tim Tebow was our quarterback a few years back. He used to put Philippians 4, 13 in his eye black. So I know it has to be true. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I digress just for a second. If you guys were around back then, um, um, wild card, playoff game, First play of overtime, Steelers against the Broncos. Overtime, first play. Tim Tebow fakes, a bold play. Tim, Tim Tebow fakes the run, action pass to Demarius Thomas. Demar- um, Tim Tebow, if you remember, he throws footballs like me, big ducks, but this one's a bullet to Demarius Thomas. Touchdown for the win. Um, my son Jake and I danced around the family room just like this cripple man who was given back his legs. Uh, you know, I always let my wife read my manuscript. She takes out the cuss words and the stupid stuff, but, but she, left, she let me leave this part in. Just for a moment, if we could just say a quiet prayer that maybe Aaron Rodgers could be our next quarterback. Just a moment of silence. From St. Paul, I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, sharing in the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, sharing in the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Christ warned his followers back then, if you guys really want to follow me, if you really want to follow me, you've got to deny yourselves and pick up your cross. Then you can follow me. Then you can be one of my followers. followers. But there's a cost. There's a price for this holy boldness. It comes with a price tag. Picking our story up at the start of chapter four, While Peter and John were addressing the people, the priests, the chief of the temple police, and some Sadducees came up indignant that these upstart apostles were instructing the people and proclaiming that the resurrection from the dead had taken place in Jesus. And these Sadducees, they didn't believe in any of that. 
They arrested them, Peter and John, and threw them into jail until morning, for by now it was late in the evening. But many of those who listened had already believed the message. In round numbers, about 5,000. There's a cost to acting and speaking boldly. God things happened. Many folks believed that Peter, many folks believed the words that Peter and John shared, but there was a cost. Peter and John arrested and thrown into jail for acting and speaking boldly about the truth. The next day they drag Peter and John before them in court and they grill them. We're going to put a stop to this right now, right here. Who put you guys in charge? What business do you have doing this? You're messing things up. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Stop it. We order you, we command you to stop it. And Peter, Peter steps up filled with the Holy Spirit. And St. Timothy reminds us about this. This is from First or Second Timothy, somewhere in the Timothy section. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of discipline. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of discipline. Peter steps up, filled with that Holy Spirit, filled with the power of God. He shares with them boldly the gospel and how this man was healed. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And Peter tells them that the true way to heaven, to salvation, is in and through this Jesus. Remember, not too long ago, when Peter's life was threatened, Peter denies Christ. Now, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with Jesus' power, regardless of the threat, Peter points us all to Jesus. And the church power brokers are stunned. They can't believe how confident these guys are. These ordinary, uneducated, knucklehead, former fishermen, how they stand toe-to-toe with them. And these church power brokers are stunned. Peter and John, these spirit-filled, empowered guys, how they share this stuff about Jesus, how they boldly share it, and they are not intimidated. Back to our VBS um, audience participation. Jesus' power helps us be bold. Whose power? Jesus' power. What's it do? Helps us be bold. These church power brokers, these guys have the power to take them out. They outrank Peter and John, and we all know rank has its privileges. They command Peter and John never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus again. And Peter and John boldly come back and say, okay, okay. And I'm quoting from the scripture, whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than God, you decide. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. And the text goes on to say, the religious leaders renewed their threats. They wanted them out of here. You stop it right now. But then release them. They couldn't come up with a charge that would stick, that would keep them in jail. The people wouldn't have stood for it. They were all praising God over what had happened. And the man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And Peter and John boldly step up and heal this man and then share with the folks how it happened. This man was healed by the power of God in and through Jesus' name. And we all know by now the VBS audience participation part. Jesus' power helps us be bold. Whose power? Jesus' power. What does it do? Helps us be bold. Holy boldness, holy boldness. It's, it's stepping into a given situation with courage, knowing it's the right thing to do, the God thing to do, 
but also knowing there's a cost. At staff meeting this week, I asked the staff, where had God asked you to be bold and courageous in a certain situation, knowing there would be a cost? And I primed the pump a bit and shared with them how I had felt God asking me to come back into full-time ministry after being out of it for some 10 years. And when I told my very secular world at the time that I was going to leave this pretty good gig and go back and be a pastor, they all looked at me like I had just told them I was going to clown school. Really? Really? They couldn't believe it. And I gave them a year's notice, six months full-time and then six months at 30 hours per week. And I stepped back into ministry here with you guys, bumps, warts, and all, mostly mine, almost five years ago now. Holy boldness, more on your part than mine. Holy boldness. Rose Sander, my partner in care ministry, shared this story. Rose had just lost, Rose had just lost her first husband, John, suddenly, unexpectedly, tragically. Rose had been working at the time as a hospice chaplain. A week after her husband's memorial service, a week after John's memorial service, Rose was called back to work. On her own, she knew she couldn't do it. She couldn't do what she needed to do. She was being asked to help folks grieve, and she was grieving. She had nothing. God whispered in her ear, I've got you. I've got you. I will give you the words, just show up, and Rose did. Holy boldness. James Leeper, my favorite communications director out of our church, shared this story. His last year, last semester of college, full-time student in charge of the video production of the school's men's and women's basketball games, also in charge of the AV department, including on-campus concerts, also the athletic director at his fraternity. And then on top of that, he's offered a, a full-time job at Life Church, working in their church online department. It was, too, it was too much. James knew it. But God, God stretched his time. And somehow he, he got it all done. But there was a cost to friendships, to grades, to sleep. James shared this with us. His experience with Life Church was invaluable to him, way better than any classroom. And what James is doing now for us at church all came from that experience. And we thank you, James, for stepping out in boldness, holy boldness. Stuart Dameron, our interim choir director, also my favorite interim choir director, shared this story about singing in a grocery store, Albertsons, not something he had ever done before. Stuart shared that he and his wife, Lisa, and their two little girls had left good jobs here in Colorado to move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A starting over, if you will, for him to begin attending LSU there for his doctorate in music. Big move, bold move from Colorado to Louisiana and the humidity and the bugs and a different culture than Colorado for sure. And Stuart is there with his family for about a week and he's wondering what he's gotten himself into and his family. And he goes to the nearby grocery store, the Albertsons, to pick up a few things. And the woman at the help desk waves him over to her place to check him out. He's only got a few things. African-American woman starts talking to Stuart and Stuart tells her he's new in town. And she asks why. Says he's going to school at LSU. Studying what? Music. What instrument? Voice. Oh, honey, you got to sing for us. Stuart says, here? Oh, yeah, we sing here all the time. And then she starts singing. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. She sings, she belts out this beautiful rendition of amazing grace, and after a stunned moment, Stuart joins in with her. And for the first time since he's moved there, he feels like maybe, maybe he's being welcomed. Stuart starts to believe that this might be a good thing, a God thing, coming here, down here to school. And through this woman, Miss Trudy, Stuart is reminded that God lives in Baton Rouge, too. Who would have thunk it? And this woman becomes a friend, a one-person welcome wagon, greeting Stuart every time he comes into the store for groceries. Holy boldness to move down to LSU Baton Rouge. And then a holy welcome with kindness and boldness extended to Stuart. Holy boldness. Holy boldness. How might God be nudging you right now to step out in boldness to do something courageous? Something way out of your comfort zone, zone, knowing there will be a cost. How might God be asking you to step into something right now and you tell God, I got nothing left in the tank. I don't have time. And God gently reminds you, just like God reminded Rose and James, I'm here with you. I got this. Just show up. This is not about you. This is about me. And God steps into the situation through us. How might God be asking you to move across town or to the next job? And you do it, but you do it reluctantly. And ten ten minutes into it, you're wondering, what the heck have I done? And then God shows up in an African-American woman and sings Amazing Grace, and you join in. To remind you and me that God even lives in places like Louisiana or Nebraska or New York. How might God be asking you and I to heal someone in Jesus' name like Peter and John healed that crippled man? And you say, man, I can't do that. And maybe we can't. But maybe God's just asking us to show up and pray with someone. Just show up and show someone that you care. And maybe you won't witness a miracle, but I bet, I bet there's healing. Maybe God's asking you to reach out to someone someone across the street or across the hall or across the country. And maybe it's someone you haven't spoken to in a while. There's tension there, maybe some unresolved issues, some forgiveness issues. It's easier not to open that door, isn't it? And God nudges you to reach out, take the first step. We all know the world is full of lonely people afraid to take the first step. The VBS lesson again today, Jesus' power helps us be bold. Whose power? Jesus' power. What does Jesus' power do? It helps us be bold. Holy boldness. I'm thinking there might be a few folks here, maybe just one or two, in this place right now or listening to this message. You have this nagging whisper, this nudging, and you know it's not from you because most of the world would say, that's crazy. Don't even think about it. But this holy nudging keeps coming back and you're beginning to think it's from God and God is asking you to step out in boldness not for your sake or my sake but truly for God's sake God is asking you to do something that's going to stretch you way out of your comfort zone that will surely take courage and you know there will be a cost and we remember Timothy's words God has for God has not given us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and of love and of discipline Are we ready to receive the power of God? Do we believe the VBS lesson, Jesus' power helps us be bold? 
Are we ready to step out boldly in the name of Jesus and step into that situation, relying totally on God's power and not ours? I know we can look back and see opportunities where we were being asked by God to step out in faith and be bold. Maybe some we responded to, some maybe we didn't. I was sharing with my wife this past week as I was getting ready for this message, I remembered situations where I was being asked to step up boldly in faith and I ran the other way. I didn't think I could do it. I chickened out. I thought I had to do it on my own and I knew I didn't have enough. God tells us, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient. My strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect when you say uncle. God is telling us, you give folks your strength, they get you. You give them your weakness, maybe they get a chance of getting me. Man, that's hard for us to get our heads and our hearts around, isn't it? And I just want to give out a shout to my dad a week before Father's Day. Um, my dad's 90 years old, and if some of us think that it's time to retire, it's time to shut it down, if we think God's done with us, I want to remind us I don't think God's done with us until God calls us home. My dad's 90 years old, and he's thinking about hospice, not as a patient, but going back there to volunteer when my mom passed away three years ago. They shut it down after he volunteered there before they shut it down because of COVID. My dad, every Friday morning, he goes out and delivers some 20-plus meals to the families um, in, in the Florida community where he lives that are less fortunate than him. Many of them are way younger than he is, my 90-year-old dad. Last time, VBS lesson, Jesus' power helps us be bold. Whose power? Jesus' power. What's it do? It helps us be bold. The the last part, the two verses I shared with you earlier, both from St. Paul. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. And the power of his resurrection, sharing in his fellowship, sharing in the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him, becoming like him in his death. Knowing this and believing this, this is from St. Paul to the Ephesians, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And God's people said, amen. What's God asking you to do in Jesus' name right now? What bold thing is Jesus asking you to step into that scares the bejesus out of you because you know there will be a cost? Go be bold this week. Holy boldness. Jesus loves you guys, and I do too.